Andrew Womack Ministries presents this session from the 2015 Phoenix Gospel Truth Seminar. We pray that the Word of God will come alive in your heart as you listen. If you have your Bibles or you're a part of the 21st century, pull your gadgets out and turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Father, thank you for your goodness in our lives. We are blessed and we desire to be a blessing. And so, Father, I thank you for these truths that we're hearing and that they're not only for us, but they are to equip us to, to make disciples, to communicate them, to share them with others. And so as I share these next three sessions, I just thank you for not only speaking to our hearts, but equipping our hearts to be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans chapter 8 I want to begin sharing in this first session on being led by the voice of God. The voice of God. Did you hear that voice? That was the voice of God. It's arresting, I assure you. So I'm excited about this, and I would have given anything if there had been someone in my life that could have communicated to me how God leads me, how God speaks to me. I would be in services and I would hear these people talk about the Lord said, the Lord said, and God told me this and God told me that. And I would just feel so carnal and even lost at times that, man, I don't hear God. God's not speaking to me. And yet God has been speaking to me my entire life. God has been leading me my entire life. And I just didn't know how to discern it. I didn't know how to recognize it. I didn't know how to judge the voice of God in my life. And so... It's amazing to me that we could be around so many spirit-filled people and not have anyone in our life to teach us how to hear God, how to know that's God and make sure that's God, how to judge the voice of God in your life. And can I get a witness if you're hearing God and you're being led by God, you're gonna make some pretty good decisions. And if you're making some pretty good decisions, you're gonna have a high quality of life. Like who you marry. Boy, you need to hear God on that, amen. Well, move on, Dwayne. Praise God. You need to hear God on, on where to live, where to go to church, how to raise your children. You need to hear God in business to sit. We need to hear God. And yet this is foreign to so many people. And when you say you hear God, that is strange to so many so-called so Christians. I've literally had Christians, spirit-filled believers, Say, so you mean you hear God? And my first thought now is, you mean you don't? <laughs> we're all supposed to hear God. You were created to hear God. You were designed by divine design to hear the voice of God. And yet, so many people are missing out for a lack of knowledge on the voice of God. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay a, a broad, uh, wide foundation in this session, and then we're going to go deeper tonight and in my last session, but I just want to highlight some of these things about God leading us and the voice of God. And one of the things I'm believing to do also is to explain how that the voice of God and the leading of the Spirit of God is connected to the grace of God, to the grace of God. And this will be a blessing for you. So Romans chapter 8, we'll start in verse 11. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. Aren't you glad that you're not a debtor to your flesh anymore? You don't have to be dominated by your flesh. You still have a flesh, 
but you don't, you, you don't have to be dominated by it. You don't have to be ruled by it. You can rule it instead of it ruling you. Verse 13 says, if we live after the flesh, you'll die. But if you through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. Now, this one's important. We need to mark this one. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself, a better translation says himself, the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Notice the next verse. I didn't put that in the notes for them, but if you're children, if children, then heirs, heirs of God and join heirs with Christ, if so be that you suffer with him, that you also may be glorified together. Again, notice that it's the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit in verse 16, that bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. We are the sons and the daughters of God. So God communicates with us in and with our spirit. That's where we know and we hear that witness that we are the, the sons of God, is the witness of the spirit in your spirit. Now verse 14 says, as many as are led by the spirit of God, the same are the sons of God. Notice that that's in the present tense. Thank you for that thunderous applause. <laughs> Notice that's in the present tense. I got a witness over here, so we'll go this way. That's in the present tense. You are led by the Spirit of God. God is leading you if you are His child. Now somebody might say, well, if God is leading me, how did I end up in partnership with this idiot? If God is leading me, how did I end up divorced? If God is leading me, how did I end up in this sin? Again, Psalms 37 verse 23 says, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord and he delights in all his ways. Well, if you don't know another scripture, that could be confusing. That sounds like everything that happens to you, God led you into it or God is doing it. I had a friend years ago that he had gotten so messed up on this sovereignty issue and Calvinism that he really believed everything that happened to him was God and that God was leading him into everything, all the bad things, all the evil things. He's the kind of guy that could fall down a flight of stairs and at the bottom he'd just get up and say, thank God that's over. <laughs> like God preordained before the foundations of the world for him to fall down those stairs and he had nothing to do with falling down those stairs. God didn't knock him down those stairs. Can I get a witness? Well, what does it mean then that we are led of the Spirit of God? This is a promise like every other promise in the Bible that has to be mixed with faith. You have to mix faith with this promise. It's not automatic. Whoa. What does it mean? It's not automatic. You have to mix faith with the leading of the Holy Spirit. I'm convinced that God is leading all of us, but we're not heeding the leading of the Holy Spirit. I'm convinced God is speaking and there is nothing you can do to get him to speak or make him speak or earn the privilege to have him speak. I'm convinced he's speaking to me every single minute of my life. I just have to learn to hear. I just have to learn to mix faith with the voice of God. 
I grew up in circles where God wouldn't fellowship with you if you sinned. And I can remember at 16 years of age sitting in church thinking, if God can't fellowship with us in sin, he's hurting for certain concerning fellowship. <laughs> Who's God fellowshipping with then if he can't fellowship with us in sin? And if God can't fellowship with us or speak to us in our sin, who is it that's talking to me about these issues in my life? Now, I know that could take a lot of explanation in 1 John chapter 1. God doesn't fellowship in my sin in the sense of he's a partaker with me if I choose to walk in darkness. God doesn't fellowship in that darkness in the sense of being a partner with me in it and a partaker of it. But God's not holding my sin against me. One of the things that we heard that's so awesome last night is Romans chapter 5 verse 13 before the law sin was in the world but where there is no law sin's not imputed God wasn't imputing people's sins before the law people who were living by faith under the law were being blessed in spite of them not because of them and now we're under grace and not under law God's not holding any shortcoming any fault or sin against me in the sense of he's withholding a leading or speaking to me. Now, I, once I learned this, once I dug it out in my own personal walk with the Lord, I began to look back and recognize, oh my goodness, God has been speaking to me all these years. God had been unctioning me. God had been prompting me. God had been speaking, but I didn't know the language of the Spirit. That there's a voice of God, but it's many languages. And you have to be taught and you have to learn the languages of God so that you can mix faith now with those leadings of the Lord. When I was nine years old, I gave my life to the Lord. And I mean, it was real. It was, it was, it was awesome. And the change on the inside of me was so real that it wasn't but a, a few months later that I was at home and God called me into the ministry. And I can't explain it, explain it to this day. It wasn't an audible voice. I'm going to show you some scriptures here in a minute. How that God has divined your outer man with ears that go this way. And your, your eardrum hears words coming this way. But the voice of the Lord is like a voice behind you because your inner man, your inner ears are, are different than your outer ears. And so it's an inward voice. And so it wasn't audible. It wasn't probably even even words, but I knew that I knew God had spoke to me. And so I packed a bag and I was, I was pulling this little bag through the living room crying and leaving home. <laughs> and my mom and dad weren't serving God and this was a terrible experience I had. It damaged me a little bit. It really damaged my mom and dad, uh, which is real sad. Uh, but I was crying and my dad said, what's wrong with you, boy? I said, I don't know. He said, well, what do you mean you don't know? You're crying. You got to know what's wrong with you. I said, I don't know, but God's called me and I'm leaving. And he says, where are you going? I said, I don't know. I'm nine years old. He thought I lost my mind. He truly thought I lost my mind. He thought something was wrong with me. That at nine years of age, you, you don't hear God. You don't hear the voice of God. And at nine, I couldn't explain it. I couldn't defend it. I knew at least I wasn't quite ready to pastor yet, but in some churches I've been in, I could have pastored at nine. <laughs> Sorry, that wasn't God right there. And so it offended my parents. It really damaged me because I was so confused. 
I didn't even have any peanut butter. I could have died in three days had I left home. (laughs) But it was real to me. And yet it was confusing because I couldn't explain it. At 13 years of age, I remember standing under a, um, a carport and crying again and, and trying to get my dad to let me go to church somewhere every day. Would you just take me to church somewhere? I want to go to church every day. And, and I even wanted to move into a church. That offended him. Well, this, this didn't go well, this voice of God thing with my family. And it confused me. But you know, it's not your flesh that wants to be in church every time the doors are open. It's not your flesh, your carnal man, that hungers for God like that at that age. At 17 years of age, my brother, bless his heart, uh, I didn't find out till 20 years after he was killed that he had given his life to the Lord because he, real, he was really a bad kid. He was just really mean. And uh, I tried to help him so many times and get him out of trouble. It was really, really bad. And he'd gotten himself in trouble so bad that he was under house arrest for three years. I mean, three months. My mom wished three years, but uh, it was three months. The chief of police lived across the street from us at the time. And he was friends with my dad, so he didn't want to send my son or my my brother, excuse me, off to any kind of juvenile uh, penitentiary type thing. So they put him under house arrest for three months and he could not leave the house. Well, that three months expired, and uh, he was so excited that he was uh, being released from house arrest that he and a friend were, were going to, to party, and they wanted me to go, and they invited me to go. And I felt so bad because he's wanting to celebrate, and he's getting off a of house arrest, so I'll go. And I was getting ready to get into the car, and I can't explain this to this day, But I just knew that I knew I had a a prompting. I had literally a sensation, don't go. Just as plain. I didn't hear it with these ears and the eardrum of my natural man, but I heard, don't go. And it arrested me. It alarmed alarmed me. God's voice, when you begin to, to pick up on it, many times the Bible says it's like thunder. It's arresting. Bam. It's quick. It's, you didn't plan on it. You weren't even seeking it. Just bam and said, don't go. And it was so real and the sensation was so strong that I made up an excuse and, and, and didn't go and he was killed. He was killed, they were killed, or he was killed. Uh, the guy driving was drunk and survived. That's what happens a lot of times and I don't wanna get off track there, but he was killed and I knew right then God had spoke to me and God said, don't get in that car. After all of those experiences and many more, it wasn't until 1980 when I had a vision of the cross, an open vision of the cross, and the grace of God that I began to to really understand the voice of God, the power of it in your life, how foundational this really is. And in every one of our lives, we should be taught this and teaching people habitually the voice of God. Let me go through some scriptures with you. Go to John chapter 10. Let's lay a quick foundation. John chapter chapter 10. This is familiar, so we'll hurry through it. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And the sheep... Hear his 
voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name and leadeth them out. One of the ways you begin to discern the leading of the Lord, one of the ways of many and languages of God is many times you'll just hear your name. You'll just hear your name. Dwayne. And it's just out of the clear blue, Dwayne. One of the things I've learned from the scriptures is if you hear your name twice, it's never good. <laughs> Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Martha, Martha. You can't hear the tones in the Bible, but I'm sure Jesus had an attitude on that one. You are cumbered about with many things. So when you hear your name twice, just fess up. Just say, hey, I don't know what's wrong, but I'm sorry. One of the ways God speaks to us, and it's, it's profound in my life, and that no one had ever taught me was questions. If you go through the scriptures, you'll find God deals with people and talks to people in questions. Adam, where are you? Adam, who told you you were naked? Cain, what is wrong with you? Well, I won't get into all that right now. But he asked questions. Ezekiel, can these dead bones live? <laughs> Ezekiel was sharp. He said, only you know God. Early in my Christian walk, I would hear these questions and I was so slow. And I know you're all pure as wind-driven snow and brilliant, but I was real slow. And God, I would hear a question. And I thought God didn't have the answer. I thought he was asking me because he needed the answer. Isn't that dumb? It's like, well, God, don't you know this? Don't you? Stupid. Took a while for me to figure out, uh-oh, if he's asking me a question, he's trying to get something over to me. Anyway, he says, the sheep hear his voice. Verse 3 again, to him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him. So there's the leading, for they know his what? So see, this being connected to the voice of God is vital to the leading of the Spirit in your life. In your life. That's why this is so important to each and every one of us. Verse 5 says, And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee for him, for they know not, now boy, this is powerful, they know not the voice of a stranger. Now, I've been pastoring for 32 years, and I'm telling you, most of God's people, and I'm not being critical, and I'm not trying to be mean, but most of God's people discern and pick up the voice of a stranger quicker than the voice of the shepherd. Something's wrong with that picture. That's not the way God ordained it. It's not the way God wills it. It's not the norm. It is the norm to hear God, not the abnormal to hear God. It's the norm to feel the prompting and leading of the Lord, not abnormal like what I grew up under at home and even at, at church. Verse 15 of that same, of that same chapter. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, that's the, that's the, the Jew and the, and the Hebrews and uh, the gospel to the Jew first, and then the other is the, the Greek or the Gentile now. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Now there's neither Jew nor nor Gentile, but we've all been made one in Christ. So that's just pretty emphatic. That's just straightforward. He's the shepherd, we're the sheep. We're born 
of the Spirit of God. We're born of the Word of God as the children of God. So by divine design, we are equipped to hear, to hear God. Listen to me carefully. It is your birthright. Everybody say birthright. It is your birthright to hear God. I call it your new birthright. If you're born again, you are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus. And it is your birthright, your new birthright to hear God. You're not abnormal if you hear God and you're not special. Uh-oh. See, some of us believe that some of us hear God. And that, boy, the ones that hear God, they're the super holy ones. They're the super sanctified ones. Amen. No, you're not, you're, not, you're not abnormal when you hear God and to hear God. And listen, you're not special. Everybody ought to be hearing God. Everybody ought to be led by the Spirit. Everybody ought to be tuned in to the voice of God. Now, this is my favorite one, Revelation. Go there. And it's Revelation, and that's just one of my little pet peeves. It's Revelation. Not the book of Revelations. That's what's wrong. There's too many Revelations coming out of there and charts versus the revelation of Jesus, amen? So it's Revelation chapter three. And this is just powerful, these seven churches and Jesus speaking to them and encouraging and correcting. Verse 19, Revelation three, verse 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and, and chasten. Be zealous therefore in what? And repent. You can say it. Everybody say repent. Amen. Now, I know there's a lot of confusion right now over the grace message, and I'm excited about it. It's called job security for... Anyway, let that go, Dwayne. <laughs> it's exciting seeing this new emergence of grace, but like anything that's, that's, that's new to a lot of people at one time, there's these abuses or misunderstandings or I think really just misapplications. And there's so many people saying, now that we're under grace, and then we have this, this great grace and we're forgiven. Can I get a witness we're forgiven of, of past sins? Yes. Present sins? Yes. Future tense sins? Yes. All right, you're well schooled. So if we're forgiven of past and present and future tense sins, then we don't have to repent anymore. No, you don't have to repent to get saved. You don't have to repent to get God to love you. He'll never quit loving you. You don't have to repent to get God to accept you. He'll never reject you. But you know, bless Jesus' heart. He didn't understand the grace message. And after the resurrection, when grace had been released in its fullness, the head of the church is saying to the churches, repent. So there is a place for repentance in my life, at least still at this point, from the shepherd. Am I all right? Verse 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice, Open the door. I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. Wow. Now, I'm not being critical here. These verses mainly are used at an altar call for people who don't know Jesus. And it is said often that Jesus is standing at the heart of your door and he's knocking. If you'll just open the door, he'll come in and, and save you. I believe that. I believe that Jesus is knocking at the door of a lost man's heart. And I believe if he chooses and wills to open that door, Jesus is going to invade his world like he never dreamed, dreamed possible. But that's not what this is talking about. This wasn't written to the world. Look at real quick, 
Verse 21, to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to who? These were written to the churches. These were written to Christians. So notice the importance of hearing God's voice. He said, I'm standing at the door knocking. If any man will hear, let him open the door. That's an act. You hear, faith will always come by hearing, and hearing by the word, the voice, the, 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 the word of God, it always comes, but you have to act on that faith. You have to mix faith with the Word of God. You have to mix faith with the Spirit of God. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 2 says that the gospel was preached unto them as well as unto us, but it didn't profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. They heard it, but they didn't act on it. Mix faith with it. So Jesus is saying uh, that to him that hears and then acts on that hearing, opens the door, I will come into him and sup with him. Do you have the New Living Translation of that for me by any chance? Because I can go to it real quick right here. The New Living Translation. It says, uh, verse 20, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice, so it all starts with hear my voice, open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. That's called relationship. It's called fellowship. It's called intimacy. I love you, and I don't mean this hard at all, but the level of our intimacy with God is directly connected to our ability to hear Him and mix faith with what we hear. You are no more intimate with God today than the level of your hearing and opening and then fellowship. And I've seen my intimacy with God increase as I hear Him and I open the door, I mix faith with it. He comes in and sups with me as a friend. See, all God has ever desired since the foundation of the world was relationship with us, Amen. fellowship with us. God delights in talking. Amen. Some of you can identify with that. God delights in having a meal with us. But see, it all begins with hearing, and you have to choose to hear. Mark chapter 4 says, He that hath an ear to hear, and you do if you're born again, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. You have to, you have to choose to hear, or you won't hear. It's not that God isn't speaking. It's that you're not hearing because you're not believing. You're not choosing to hear. Did you know your brain even was created by God to wipe out stimuli and that you would go mad if your brain didn't wipe out stimuli? The reason you're saying today is because you can wipe out stimuli. You ever been in a restaurant and uh, decided to choose to hear all that's going on? Suddenly you hear music that you didn't hear till you chose to hear. Music is playing the whole time, but you didn't hear it because your brain was wiping that stimuli out. But when you chose to hear, you heard it. Suddenly now you hear dishes breaking that you didn't hear before. Now you know why your bill's so high. <laughs> Have you ever been at dinner like I've been, where the table you were at was so boring you overheard something at the other table? 
and you chose to hear? Suddenly you can hear them when you choose to hear. But if you don't choose to hear, you can sit at a table and the multitude of voices, the sound of a multitude can be wiped out till you choose to hear. I was in a restaurant years ago and I was eavesdropping and I couldn't believe it. I heard my name. It was amazing how clearer I heard after that. <laughs> you start hearing God call your name, you'll hear clearer and clearer and clearer. I listened to that conversation and before those people got through thrashing me, I didn't like me. It was terrible. I wanted to quit my own church. I'm not going to listen to me. I wanted so bad to just get up and say, hi, I'm Dwayne Sheriff. But the Lord wouldn't let me do that. That was one of those times I had a prompting. Don't say a word. Don't do a thing. There's nothing you can do about it in that case. There may be other cases, but in that case, the Spirit of the Lord said, don't tell them who you are. I wanted to so bad. You've never been in a place like that. Amen. Or you wanted to speak after the flesh? Okay. I appreciate your holiness. You're awesome. Why is it so strange in our culture especially, and even in church culture, when you say, God said? Why is that foreign in our culture and strange and why is that so foreign even in church culture at large? I'm telling you, there are certain circles that you better not say God said or you'll be labeled. And that's sad. Why is that? I'm going to give you five things here real quick. And these are things in pastoring and talking and then trying to help so many different people that I've seen on why is the voice of God strange to people? Why? Is that even weird in some circles? Number one, number one is because of the national media. It's because of the prince of the power of the air waves that people, people are nervous at times about the phrase God said. Because in our national media, whether it be Hollywood, whether it be the written press, whether it be the six o'clock news, the only time you hear of somebody hearing God is a serial killer or a mass murderer or somebody just drowned five of their kids and they said, God said. In other words, if anybody hears God, they're a kook. That is mainstream thinking today in our world that to hear God and only those who hear God are kooks. And, and yet that is simply not true. You'll never hear of all the many times that God spoke to somebody and it led to saving people. It led to, to avoiding a crisis or on and on I could go with all the good things that are happening because people are hearing God, but you never hear that reported. So every time you, you hear of some, again, mass murderer or somebody that went postal, they'll interview them. And they love it when the, when the person says, God told me to kill my kids. God told me to go to work and, and wipe everybody else. So that's number, number, number one, only kooks here, God. Number two, everybody say, I love, love. Brother Dwayne. Number two, come on guys, praise the Lord, we're there. I'm, wait for it, wait for it. Number two, 
Number two. Everybody say, I love. Brother Dwayne. They didn't want to put it up. People using God's name in vain. Uh-oh, you didn't know how that's affected you. You didn't know how subliminally that's affected you, that you've been around people that said, God said, God said, God said, God said. They're always dropping the God card on you. God said, God said. They're manipulative. They're domineering. They're mean. They don't want to be judged. They don't want to be brought into question if they heard God. And you're dealing with people all the time. God said, God said, God said. And again, the second commandment in the Big Ten is thou shalt not use the Lord thy God's name in vain. And that ain't talking about cussing. Amen. Though I recommend you kind of stop the cussing. Amen. But using God's name in vain means you're saying God said when God didn't say. And we've all met these people. Okay, those of us that pastor, we've met these people that God said, God said, God said, and there's no fruit in their lives. And God said, and God said, and God said, and there's no change in their life. And God said, and God said, and all the God said leads to I'm missing God. Praise the Lord, I knew this would go over or wouldn't, but I thought it would do better in this conference. Thanks for inviting me. This is, I thought this was one of the few places I could share and be this honest. I'm telling you, many of us just go nutso with God said, God said. So we get too conservative because we don't want to be like that. And you need to understand that these people just haven't been discipled. They, and man, I enjoy just slapping them right upside the head in love and saying, we need to have a talk. God didn't tell you that. You know, God does speak in visions and dreams. Acts chapter 2, it's the language of the Holy Spirit. That's the voice of God in your life, is dreams and visions. But I've had people in my life that every single dream they have is God. And if I don't submit to their dreams, I'm not hearing God and following God. Not every dream you have is God. Some of you just ate too much pizza before you went to bed. And that's not to cancel out the validity of dreams and God speaking in dreams. It's to say that you can have a dream that wasn't God and uh, you need to be careful and you need to learn how to judge, discern, try the voice of God. And so many people have, have backed up. Even I've seen entire groups that are nervous about God said because they've seen abuses and we don't want to be a part of that. Number three, third, third thing and, and why people struggle with the the, the, voice, the voice of God, I need to keep these in order. I know what they are, but I, I, I'm needing to move on. Number three, God's voice, and wow, this is awesome. We heard about it last night. God's voice, now before I say this, many of you have never thought about this, but God's voice is a threat to religion. Why do so many entire groups want to deny the reality of God said, the voice of God, the daily leading of the Lord in your life, because God said is a threat to religion, to religion. When we talk about a God that speaks, now we're talking about personal relationship. Now we're talking about, again, intimacy. Religion can only thrive where God's not alive. 
Religion can only thrive where God is not alive. A mute God is vital to religion. You can't control the masses if they learn how to hear God. You can't manipulate your people as a pastor when you teach them to hear God. You can't control them anymore because if they can hear God, you no longer now are their source for the voice of God. So I'm telling you, there are people, entire groups that don't want to hear the voice of God, don't want people taught how to hear the voice of God because that is such a threat to religion. You know, years ago, it just amazed me, how could anybody worship a, a, a stone bird, a graven image of a bird? Think about that. What's appealing even about worshiping a dead stone bird? Can I get a witness? It doesn't talk. Oh, and if it doesn't talk, I can make up the rules now. That's appealing to me. Oh, and if it doesn't speak, there's no room for obedience. So I can still do whatever I want to do. Oh, 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 oh. If it doesn't speak, I don't have to repent for anything. I like this dead bird idea. Think about it. Religion cannot thrive with a God that is alive it is vital to all false religions and dead religions to have a mute God. And yet God has gone to great extents to reveal His voice, to reveal His leading, to reveal His intervention into our lives in relationship. Remember, God desires above all things a relationship with you and I. Can I get a witness that all relationships are built on communication? The depth of any relationship is built on communication. You can't have healthy relationships without communication. And God has revealed this from the, from the beginning of, of time. There is a couple of things that are just in the Bible. It's like they're not even explained. They're just there. It's assumed that any intelligent being would understand these two things. And they start with, number one, the existence of God that God just is. It's just right there from verse one. In the beginning, God. No explanation, no defense, no let me prove this. No, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Verse three says, the second assumption from the very beginning of scripture and existence of man in relationship with God is he talks. And God said, and God said, and God said, and God said, and God said. And when God says something, it always impacts something. One of the reasons I know I'm hearing God is if I change. It's like people falling down. I've got no problem with you falling down. And we'll pray for you down here. And man, if you get slain in the Holy Ghost, that is awesome. And that is fine. And I know some people I'd really like to just knock them down. So I'm all, I'm all in this. But on the other hand, man, I've seen people fall down and get back up with nothing changed. I've heard people and seen people that have so-called heard God, but nothing's changing. It's impossible to hear God and not change. It's impossible to hear God and there not be fruit of that, of that, of that voice. And that God has gone to great extents. I'm sure, I'm not sure exactly where Brother Andrew's going and I got excited about the direction he's taken. 
he got me back on this voice thing when we were in England and just seeking God about this and, and how, how to equip people better. And he mentioned the law, and so I don't know where he's going exactly there. But there are so many things that have hurt so many people through confusion of the Old Testament law. And this voice of God is no different. Again, how can I grow up in church my whole life and hear constantly God won't fellowship with me or God won't speak to me in sin? You talk about the devil. You talk about canceling out, discerning if God is speaking because you have to choose to hear. You're not going to hear in the first place. The first sin in the Bible, when Adam sinned, and I know he's going there, so I'm going to fly through this. I don't know all he's going to say. But I mean, it's amazing that God came to them after they sinned. So God was speaking to them before they sinned and told them, there's, there's these two trees and don't eat of this one and you can eat of it. So he's talking to them because he's, he's the creator. They're the apex of his creation and relationship and healthy relationships are connected to, to uh, communication. So he's talking to them. Then they sin. First thing out of the, out of the gate. Adam, where are you? Amen. Who told you you were naked? And then he talked to him about the consequences. And then I think where he's going to go about driving them out, so I'll leave that alone. He didn't drive them out because he was angry with them. He didn't separate from them. He didn't quit talking to them. He didn't quit fellowshipping with them. They weren't kooks hearing the voice of God. Cain and Abel are offering up sacrifices. Where'd they get the knowledge of sacrifices and the offering of sacrifices. We know the law wasn't written for hundreds of years later. So they couldn't have got it out of any kind of written document. God was talking to them. And Cain offered up a sacrifice that wasn't acceptable. It wasn't a more excellent sacrifice like Abel. And God comes to Cain and says, Cain, why are you angry? Why are you wroth? Why is your countenance falling, dude? Dude ain't in there, but it should have been. Well, what's wrong, dude? What's up with this? God's talking to him and he says, look, just do what is right. Sin, but he says, sin lies at the door and desires you, but you shall rule over him. God was talking to him, telling him, you can whip this. You can make a better decision here. Then Cain makes a bad decision, kills his brother, and God comes to Cain. Cain, where's your brother? And my, boy, I tell you, I don't understand some of that stuff still to this day. He was a smart aleck. Now, I've got a smart aleck tendency to me, so I need to be merciful here, but his was on steroids. I mean, he said, am I my brother's keeper? Oh, I'm thinking God's gonna kill him. Just burn his barley fields, amen? And God is merciful to this guy. And God is talking to him. Enoch walked with God. How can we not understand if Enoch walked with God and got so close to God, he just wasn't anymore? Don't you think they were talking? They were communicating and God was even telling him of things to come. How do I know that? Because he had a son, he begot a son, Methuselah. And Methuselah means when he dies, it will come. And he lived to be 969 years, the longest of any man that has ever lived on the planet. And his name means when, it come, when he dies, it will come. And when he died, the flood came. So God told Enoch about the flood. And he named his son. And the reason that man lived the longest of any man on the earth is God didn't want to flood the earth. 
And he waited as long as he could. It got down to eight people. And if we don't do something, if God doesn't intervene, there won't even be a virgin in the earth to get Jesus in the earth. He had to protect the righteous seed. And so he's talking to Enoch. He's talking to Noah. Noah didn't have an imaginary friend. <laughs> Amen. God says, it's coming a frog choker and you're going to have to do something and here's what I want you to do. And God gave him blueprints, saints, of a boat that's just phenomenal to this day to house him and his family and two of every, of every kind. God spoke to Abraham in Ur of the Chaldees, told him, get out. If you go to Hebrews chapter 11 and you mix it with all these stories I'm telling you now, it says, by faith day, by faith day, by faith day, by faith day. Where did the faith come from? God spoke to them and they mixed faith with it and saw the power of God in their lives. They mixed faith with it. Moses, Moses heard God. It says in Acts chapter 7, Stephen is preaching the longest sermon recorded in the Bible. In Acts chapter 7. Amen. The moral of the story is keep it short, amen, because they killed him after that. But the bottom line, <laughs> the bottom line, he talks about Moses and he says that it came into the heart of Moses that he was the deliverer. That's the way it says it. It just came into his heart like it did in my heart at nine. Like it did in my heart at 13. Like it did in my heart at 70. It just came into my heart. I can't totally explain it. But it says it came into his heart that he was the liver. The, the deliverer. Listen, this is what's cool. He knew that was God so much and it was so real to him. It goes on to say that when he was trying to defend the Hebrew children and wound up killing that Egyptian, he supposed that all of Israel, all the Hebrews would have known he's the deliverer. The voice of God was so clear, so loud, resonating in his own heart that he thought everybody else heard it. Amen. Well, that's powerful. That's how real the voice of God can be. And that's why you need some wisdom on, on, on how to discern the voice of God now and what it means that God just said to you. And I'll talk about some of that as we go through this. Go to 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 19. Well, we could go on and go on and go on with the voice of God and Old Testament. Under the law, the prophets hearing God. New Testament, Paul hears God and has a vision of Jesus and is blinded, but he sees in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and laying his hands on him that he might receive his sight. Then God speaks to Ananias, gives him a vision, speaks to him in a vision, shows him where Saul is, what street he's on, and to go in and put his hands on him that he might receive his sight and receive the Holy Ghost. Just incredible. Philip is preaching in Samaria and a revival's broke out and the Spirit of the Lord speaks to him and says, go into uh, Gaza, the desert. And he just leaves a revival on the unction of the Lord, on the voice of God. Then he obeys. Jesus sups with him in that obedience and then shows him after he obeys the voice of God, after he mixes faith with it, then he says, see that chariot? Join yourself to that chariot. And on and on, I could go there, but the point is he's hearing God. He's acting on the voice of God. 1 Kings chapter 19. 
Here's an insight on the voice of God. Elijah is fleeing for his life. How am I doing on my time? I didn't see a time when I started. You're kidding. One minute? Praise the Lord. I apologize for that introduction. <laughs> I promise the message will be better. Amen. Wow. How do I wrap that up? Elijah's fleeing for his life as I'm fleeing for mine. <laughs> And he's trying to discern what God is saying to him. And there was an earthquake. Then there was a windstorm. And then there was fire. But God wasn't in those. And then he said there was a still, small voice. The voice of God on the inside of us in our spirit man is called a still, small voice. And I'll elaborate on this in my next session because it's that meek and quiet spirit. God speaks to my spirit, my spirit then to my mind, my, my soul, and it's a meek and quiet spirit. Your spirit, according to 1 Peter 3, 4, is a meek and quiet spirit. And so you have to learn to listen. You have to learn to discern. Again, God wasn't in earth, wind, and fire. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Some of the young people are... Google it. <laughs> Father, I thank you for that still small voice and for blessing us and making us a blessing indeed. Amen. I love you. We hope your heart has been quickened by hearing the Word of God through this message. It's the faithful support of people like you who make this ministry possible. We invite you to prayerfully consider becoming a partner with Andrew Womack Ministries. We maintain a website at awmi.net. Our helpline number is 719-635-1111, or you can write us at P.O. Box 3333, Colorado Springs, Colorado 80934. Until next time, we pray that you'll reach out by faith and receive everything that's yours through God's grace.